Welcome to the next episode of Teaming Up. In this episode, Hannah Robinson and Cameron McPherson recognize Diversity Month and talk about the importance of DEI to a company's overall culture. And they'll also dive into our own DEI efforts here at Hodges and what we're doing to make our company and our industry more equitable and inclusive. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also watch the video version of this conversation on our YouTube channel. Now, here's Hannah and Cameron. So, hey, Kim, how are you today? Hey, you good? Hey, Hannah, I am doing really well. I'm excited for this conversation. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well too. I'm excited as well. And I think that, you know, you and I work together on the DEI committee. So I think this has been a long time coming and I'm excited that we'll be able to have, you know, an episode dedicated to this. Um, April is Celebrate Diversity Month, um, which is, it was first initiated actually back in 2004 um, to recognize in honor of diversity, diversity that's surrounding us every day. Um, And with April just a few days away, you know, there's really no better time to sit down and talk about, um, you know, what DEI is and what we're doing here at Hodges, you know, to boost our efforts in a meaningful and authentic way. Um, so we can kind of go over a bit what we'll cover today, which is uh, the definition of DEI, um, how Hodges crafted our statement, um, we'll, we'll reflect on the trainings um, that we've done, and then a few tips on how to practice intentionality um, and inclusivity in the workplace. Um, I don't know about you, Cam, but I think it's important to recognize um, the point in time when we really started to put our DEI practices like down on paper. I think that Hodges has always done a good job at creating an inclusive environment. Um, But back in, you know, June 2020, when George Floyd was brutally murdered, I think that woke up a lot of companies to rethink the way um, that they, you know, they thought about DEI. Um, and the way they talked about DEI and how they um, incorporated it into their their everyday strategies. So maybe we should first discuss what the definition is. Do you want to take D, I guess, d- d- diversity, and then we can kind of popcorn it back yeah. and forth? Yeah, I love that. And um, you're exactly right, Hannah. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. So let's jump in, like you said, um, and start talking about DEI. Diversity is just looking at the different attributes of everyone in your organization and and appreciating those differences that we all bring to the table and perspectives um, that make organizations work, especially in public relations, stronger. So that's everything from gender, sexual orientation, race, uh, veteran status, um, Mm -hmm. and just all of our wonderful, beautiful differences. Yeah, I think, yeah, diversity for me, whenever I think about it, I think about it in the way of who's at the table, like what are they, like who is invited to the table and and recognizing, like you said, those differences. And then we have the E, which is equity. And that's all about, you know, promoting justice and fairness. Um, so you can have those different people at the table, which is diversity, but then how are you ensuring that those people are treated fairly um, and that, you know, the issues that they that they're coming to you with or dealt with and that, you know, it's an inclusive space for people um, so that, you know, things are fair. So although you can have differences, if you don't have equity, it's, it's, 
DEI is impossible because that is such an important part, especially when we're thinking about institutions or systems um, and how a lot of those institutions and systems have historically been um, you know, organized against minorities. And so that equity piece is, is important to think about, okay, who's at the table and how are those people at the table being treated? Yep, exactly. I mean, maybe a quick example. I lead our Richmond PR Foundation, and last year we launched a scholarship specifically for BIPOC students because we know that there's a lack of diversity, um, especially in PR agencies of PR of color. Um, so wanted to create a scholarship program specifically for students of color um, and to show them that, you know, we, we want them in the PR industry and, and we value them. Um, so that's just kind of a, a quick example of how one organization has uh, approached equity. Um, and then I'm taking inclusion. Um, and that's just creating a environment where um, people are comfortable sharing their thoughts, comfortable being vulnerable. Um, and, you know, it takes a lot of work and I think intentionality um, in creating inclusive spaces, um, especially around DEI work. You know, it's never done. Um, I think when you start, it's just everyone says it's a journey. Um, and that's the truth because we're always learning um, and we're always working to do better. So, you know, we'll get some, we'll get some things wrong. We'll get some things right. And we'll just kind of build on those, um, build on that. Yeah. I, and I, I read something recently that was talking about DEI and how a lot of companies are actually adding a B at the end of that. So D-E-I-B. And that B stands for belonging. And so we don't often think, I think inclusion and belonging sometimes sound similar, um, but it's one thing to be welcomed and there's another thing to feel like you belong. And so I think that that's something else that at Hodges we really work to do. And I think a lot of people are working to do of, of inviting different people to the table, right? Making sure those people are treated fairly and in an equitable way, you know, ensuring that they feel welcomed, that, you know, there is a comfortable space for them and a safe space for them to work, but then also that they feel a sense of belonging in your company, in your space. Um, I think that's a really integral part, and I think it's something that's often missing in that definition. So I think that, you know, moving forward, that's something I always think about is like, okay, are these, like, are we really, you know, incorporating belonging into what we're doing as well? Because it's just as important. Um, I really think that when we started relooking at our DEI strategy, I think it really started with a committee. Cam, you want to talk a little bit about um, the thought behind that, the DEI committee, and you know who's at who's brought to that table, and then how we kind of worked through um, the statement um, and how we want to create the DEI statement. Yeah. So earlier you were talking about how we had been doing this work informally, and that was exactly right. Um, we had invited some trainers in, um, but then after the, the killing of George Floyd and then being in the pandemic and being, a, being apart from one another and working virtually, we really just knew that having these conversations about DEI and doing this work was more important than ever. Um, and we really needed to um, put some things down on paper to kind of track that work. So a lot of our, our first work was really forming this committee. And I think that's important for any organization that, you know, DE&I DE shouldn't uh, live with just one or two people. Um, it should be across an organization. There should be buy-in from everyone. Um, so, you know, we had everyone kind of raise their hands to see who would be interested and, and um, invited 
a large group of people to the table to have these conversations um, and really started kind of talking about what DEI, what we wanted to be at Hodges. Um, and I think it was great that um, John and Josh, our leaders, um, really gave us the, the runway um, to say, like, you all, you know, can come up with some approaches and ideas and we support this 100%. Um, so the committee started talking and really started kind of fleshing out um, what we wanted um, DEI programs to look like. Um, so we started some trainings and we also worked on uh, DEI commitment because um, it was important for us to do this work internally, but we know that we have a, a platform um, and we wanted to share this publicly. And so people could not only internally, but externally hold us accountable. Um, so we took about a year, I think, um, working on the commitment and broke it into different buckets. Um, we wanted it to be something that was true to us and something that we could have accomplished as a 17 person agency um, and got a lot of feedback um, from the team, which is, I think, was great. And also one of the reasons it took a little while. Um, we really wanted to, to send it around and, and get comments and feedback um, and then and then shared it on our um, social media and website. And so now it has a standalone page. Um, it's something that we point to often um, when we're just doing anything at Hodges. Mm -hmm. um, and also in any kind of new business proposal, it's something that we include as well. Um, that's that's kind of how it came to be. Yeah, I think we were, you know, kind of going back to what you were talking about, it's important to touch on the time it took, right? Because I think so many companies are just trying to, a lot of time, especially in, you know, around 2020, around that time, were trying to just push out things really quickly because they had to get in on it and they didn't want to seem like they weren't thinking about things like this. But I think there sometimes can be an inauthenticity that comes with that. Um, and I think that, you know, any good, meaningful statement or commitment, it's going to take time because you have to, like you said, you know, share it with the right people, get the feedback from the right people, you know, um, really think long and hard about what is possible because you don't want to create something that's impossible to accomplish, you know, thinking about the size of your company and, and things like that. Um, I think at Hodges, we have a pretty good sized team where it's, we're big enough to, to create some really powerful commitments. Um, but I think we also have a small enough team to where everyone kind of has a role in that. Um, and so just kind of, you know, I wanted to go back to that and really drive that in that, you know, it, sometimes it is going to take a year, right? If you're, if you're, you've never created a commitment or a statement, um, and you're looking to do that and you're like, well, you know, I'm trying to get this out by the end of the month, or I'm trying to do this in the next six months. Give yourself time. You know, you don't have to push it out really quickly. I mean, think about it and make sure that it's um, it's a meaningful thing. Um, I think another thing that I really liked that came out of the DEI committee was um, we created a master doc. So, you know, Richmond has so many incredible, um, you know, business owners and and really cool events that are happening, trainings, authors. Um, and so we kind of wanted to create a place where all of that lived. And so first we decided to create this master doc with, you know, black owned restaurants and Hispanic owned Latinx owned restaurants and and all these different minority owned restaurants that um, we could help, you know, support and connect with. Um, we have books on there, we have podcasts on there, TED Talks, like all those kind of things. And it's just a great way um, for all of us to revisit 
you know, and give back to our own community um, while also always learning. Um, we also created um, an event called Movie and Dinner Night. So it first started off with Black History Month um, last February. Um, when we were thinking about, okay, how could we support local Black-owned businesses here in Richmond while also having like a really great time and learning something new? And so we pulled together this idea and basically we had a list of recommended, you know, black movies about black joy. It was all about the theme was around black joy because a lot of times I think, you know, the stories that are that are about black people in America are often wrought with trauma and pain and, and sadness. And so much of that is our story, right? But it's about the resilience of how we've overcome that. But so much of, of the black experience is black joy and black excellence. And so we really want to celebrate that. So we pulled together a list of movies that people could watch. We pulled together recommendations of black owned restaurants in Richmond that people could support. And Hodges was able to give that stipend to people and you know allow us to support the community. And so it worked so well with Black History Month that we did it again for each cultural history month following. And it's just been a really fun thing. I think that we all start to look forward to. Um, and, and it helps us learn more about that culture in a, in a real way. Um, and I think some people have some exciting, you know, new favorite movies too from those things. So it's, it's always fun to do that. Um, and I think that looped in well too, too with the trainings that we did, Cam, you were kind of behind that. What did that look like um, when you were organizing the trainings and, and things like that? Yeah, I loved the dinner in a movie. And it also <laughs> gave us a really fun space to just kind of connect and talk and like share the meals that we got in the movies that we, we saw together, which was fun, especially as we were going virtual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another important part was the trainings. And I think as organizations are approaching DEI, I think a really important thing is, is bringing in outside experts um, to help you learn and do the work. Uh, so we partnered with Virginia Center for Inclusive Communities for um, every other month. We were doing some virtual trainings on a variety of topics. Um, we did intersectionality, navigating um, dialogues. Uh, we also talked about women in leadership. We've done um, accessibility training. Um, and then we've also worked with some LGBTQ organizations to um, talk about LGBTQ identities. So it's been a really great kind of space to just learn together and again have those conversations um was there anything from the trainings that stood out to you gosh that's such a hard question gam that's like asking someone like oh what's your favorite movie or what's your favorite song i feel like there are so many things that i enjoyed about those trainings um for me specifically because i had learned a lot of that um in college um, I was a cultural communications major, so so many of our classes focused on the work that we were talking about in those trainings. But I think what was interesting for me was realizing that this was some people's first time ever hearing these things. Um, and so I am a huge fan of um, intersectionality, this idea um, of thinking about the different ways that identities intersect. Because being a Black woman, that is my life, right? I'm not only a woman. And I'm not only black, but I'm a black woman. And what does that mean in the world? Um, and I think that when talking about intersectionality, that's something that kind of put the puzzle pieces together for me in a way that I never really had words for. And so when we were able to have that training and really, you know, share the knowledge and, you know, for some people who've known what intersectionality was for years and some people who were just learning it, for me, that was really exciting because, Education is is key, and um, when it comes to DEI and 
and having that open space where people don't feel uncomfortable if they haven't learned anything. We're all in different, you know, life experiences. And so going to it with, you know, open minds and open hearts and saying, hey, look, like this may be your first time learning about this, but this is why it's important. Um, so I loved the talking about intersectionality. And then I also loved talking about microaggressions. Um, I think that's something that always kind of wakes people up a bit because language is so important as public relations professionals. That is like, that's our superpower, right? We use language um, to to help our clients share their stories and to, and to share the great news. But um, in a lot of ways, language can also be harmful and hurtful in ways that we may not even understand or realize. Um, there are sometimes terms that, you know, are so ingrained in our society that we think are fine until someone says, hey, actually, this is a microaggression and this is what a microaggression is and why, you know, it's not OK to say these things. So I also loved that training as well, because I think even for me, there were certain things that I would say that I didn't realize was impacting a certain group of individuals. And so I've had to pivot and kind of transform my language as well. And so I think those were my two favorite trainings that we did. Um, I'm eager to hear what yours were, though, because I feel like everyone gets something slightly different from those. Yeah. So the intersectionality training was one of my favorite slash kind of aha moments. Um, I remember um, there's a lot of I love all the we had a lot of small group discussions in there, which I thought were um, just got a lot of takeaways and hearing from different people's different perspectives. But I think one uh, lesson in there, um, the trainer had talked about um, the the killing of Matthew Shepard, which really kind of informed my childhood um, when he was brutally murdered and just the media attention and um, how that amplified LGBTQ rights. But then she also put up a photo of a young woman named Zakia Gunn, who was also brutally murdered um, a few a few years later in 2003, who received just minimal news coverage. Um, and it was just kind of a, a lesson in um, just the narratives that the news media latches onto, but also the narratives that advocacy organizations um, lift up. Um, and tell. And I think it was just a really report, important reminder to me um, to do some more digging um, and, and, and to learn and just to be um, just, just, yeah, it was, it was an eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just about the, the stories that we tell, um, I think when talking about different um, problems and issues in our communities. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's whose, yeah, whose story are we telling and why? Yeah. And right. why not, right? Like, yeah. and, and I think that's something that throughout our country's history has been so, so important of like, you know, who's been silenced? And yeah. so much of what we've learned in school and in the media have been very targeted things of like, okay, this is what we want you to learn and what we want you to see. But there are so many stories of, you know, people of color and, and just other marginalized groups that are not told. And so really digging in and thinking critically about, okay, well, why was this one story blown up and this one wasn't? And, and you start to see things differently. And that's why I love the work of DEI because you cannot walk away the same. And you can't walk away and look at, you know, watch a show on Netflix or listen to a podcast or walk down the street and see things the same way you did before you learned about it. Because it's, it's, it's so prevalent in everything that we do. 
Um, and that's why it belongs in the workplace as well, um, because so much of the success of an organization comes from how your, you know, your the people who work with you and for you are coming into the space, and everyone's coming into it with wildly different experiences. Um, and so, making sure that your workplace is a safe, inclusive place is so important. Um, and so, I love that you touched on that. Um, I think kind of we could talk about this all day. <laughs> I feel like this could be, you know, a whole series on its own. And I, I think that it would be really, you know, fun to dig into this more in a couple other teaming up episodes as well. But I think it's important to kind of close out this conversation and talking about, um, you know, amplifying different voices um, and, and the importance of that um, and why, you know, it's it's integral to, you know, give different diverse people a chance to speak and a chance to be invited to the table. Um, in your experience, Cam, I think I'd love to hear about the ways that you see that working so well in at Hodges and kind of beyond. Yeah, I, I think the big takeaway for me is just to share the mic. Every organization has so many incredible leaders with perspectives to share. Um, and I've you know, just because of my work, I do a lot of media relations. I do think of DEI through the lens of media relations. Um, so looking within an organization and making sure that um, we have, we can lean on different spokespersons um, to share perspectives and share their expertise in the news media. Um, and also doing different kind of media trainings throughout the organization. So everyone has that skill and that comfort um, it helps an organization connect with diverse audiences um, when they're not just seeing one person all the time um, and they're seeing all the amazing diverse people um, that make your organization unique um, and make it such a, a strong part of the community. Yeah, and it, I think those things, they not only boost diversity and, and equity and inclusion, but it just makes your the work that you produce that much richer. Um, I think in one of our trainings, we discussed, you know, like there was two different companies and it, they were talking about, you know, um, I guess the first group or the first company had, you know, people that were all had all similar experiences and, you know, they come from similar backgrounds. And there was another group that came from all different experiences, had wildly different backgrounds, different points of view, different opinions. And they said, who do you think produced, you know, like more complex dynamic work. And some people might say, oh, well, the, the, you know, the, the company that has people that are from the same background because they probably work really well together and they can just understand each other. But it really ends up being the company that has wildly different experiences, people with wildly different experiences, because it's gonna, they're going to inform each other and the work is just going to be that much more dynamic. And so it's not only you know, to ensure that you have different groups of people around, but it's also to ensure that the work that you're producing is quality work. Um, and so I think that's what excites me the most um, about all of this is that there's always, it always comes full circle. And I think everything we talked about today from, you know, the master doc and fun activities that we're doing for, you know, our DEI committee to the statement to ensuring that we're, you know, things we're, you know, giving inclusive practices, all of those are important and they all inform each other. Um, and so I think that's something that just people should keep in mind um, when they're thinking about their own DEI strategies. Absolutely. It makes us stronger. It does. It does. And I'm, I'm excited to see what 2022 is going to be in store. I feel like with um, just what we're, the work we're doing on the committee and all the new ideas that we're coming up with, I think that there's going to be some 
some great things happening. So um, hopefully in our next teaming up episode, if we end up having one that we can talk about all the, the other new things that we've learned. And like you said, this is a process that continuously goes on and you're never really done learning. So um, I'm so honored to learn from you, Cam. Um, and uh, this conversation just makes me really happy because this is the thing I'm, I'm passionate about. So um, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. Great. Well, have a great day, Cam. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.